0: Welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We'll have more information at the end of the podcast, but for now, please enjoy this week's teaching.
1: This morning's scripture is from Genesis 2, verses 4 through 22. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no vegetation of the earth had yet sprung up for the lord god had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was no one to till the ground but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground then the lord god formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being and the lord god planted a garden in eden in the east and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flows out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divides and becomes four branches. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bdellium and ox stone are there. The name of the second river is Gion. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. The word of the Lord.
0: Thank you, John. Well, when I was a junior in college, I had to fulfill my science requirements to graduate. And when you're a theology major with little interest in the sciences, it was a challenging endeavor. So economic botany was my course of choice, partly because the field trips would get this poor college student out of Chicago to some green fields and to some forests for a bit. And you know what? It turned out to be my favorite class. It sparked this long-felt desire to connect more fully to the earth. In that class, I learned about sustainable agriculture and ecology and creation care. I daydreamed about one day owning a small plot of land with an apple orchard and a red barn. Was I totally romanticizing the hard work necessary to achieve that dream to cultivate the land and subsist on whatever it provided? Oh, I definitely was. Did I spend the next 20 some years moving between passionate earth care and the demands of a busy and very convenient life in the city? Absolutely. I own far too much glitter and I compost far too little to really elevate my status as somebody who's like really attuned to creation. But the eagerness to care well for a patch of earth, it blooms in me whenever I get the invitation And listen intently. So that invitation came this week through Will Lee at our staff meeting. We were talking about the lectionary texts, and I'll be honest, I was a little bit uninspired by the options. And just, we were all kind of maybe feeling a little discombobulated with the start of a new year and a, a new school year. And Will said, did you know that there's like a newer liturgical season that many mainline churches follow This season of creation or creation tide. Diana Butler Bass describes this as a four-week practice of Christians around the globe who are urged to recognize the theological centrality of God the creator. Creation itself, the human vocation for caring for creation and doing justice on behalf of the earth and all her inhabitants. So then the season of creation is marked by repentance for that past, and a call to deepen our theological reflection and spiritual awareness of creation. Butler Bass continues to write, Attending to creation in liturgy and prayer and scripture and spirituality might be one of our most significant theological shifts in contemporary Christianity, and it's one we desperately need. And in this season, these four weeks, we're invited to center creation and creator, to consider our vocation and our sacred scripture with fresh eyes. And our intent this season of creation is to celebrate the whole of creation. So we're going to use the lectionary um, in a new way. We're going to focus on four themes of forest, land, wilderness, and river. And your teaching team this month, Dan, Oshida, and myself, will bring our own reflections on how the chosen texts reflect God as creator, on Jesus as the redeemer of the natural world, and the Holy Spirit as the wind that enlivens all of creation. And so occasionally I'll post um, some quotes or brief reflection or um, earth care ideas on our social media platforms, and I'm going to invite all of you to become more rooted in the natural world. More drawn to the spirits leading as we pause and listen, as we reflect and we act, as we breathe deeply and feel the cooler, I hope cooler, winds blow in our midst. You're invited during these four weeks to also become more rooted in God's creation as part of our entire community as well. So like I said, we have apple orchard next Saturday. October 1st, we're going to have our first Genesis blessing of the pets on a Sunday evening where everyone's invited to bring their pet or a stuffed animal or picture that represents their pet as we celebrate and honor and bless the gift of our animal friends. And it'll be outside, so don't worry. We're not going to be in here in the chapel. And lastly, you're invited to lean into the goodness of God's creation at church vacation at Covenant Pines for those who have signed up, and if you aren't joining us, let me encourage you to spend some time that weekend in nature, wherever you are. In all of these gatherings, I want to ask you to keep this question in mind. Where are you stewarding God's creation well? And where might you serve and preserve the natural world in a new way this season? With all that as kind of our overview, and I promise that's not like the super long intro and then you're getting a super long rest of the sermon, let's look at our guiding text, our scripture today from Genesis 2. Will Gaffney writes, Genesis is poetry and prose, a theological accounting of how things were seen, known, and imagined, how it all came to be. And so we have two creation accounts within scripture And these texts are narrative in nature, designed to tell a story, not unlike the creation accounts of other cultures of the time, Samaria, Mesopotamia, Egypt, and others. The Israelites were not the only ones drawn to a lively interest in questions surrounding creation, because we all long to know our origin stories. They help us make meaning out of the world as we understand it. Genesis is the origin story of the people of God. Which makes our two creation stories extra intriguing. The first narrative portrays God as very orderly in organizing the cosmos. The second story, our portion today, reveals a God who is a bit more relational and improvisational. Genesis 1 has a sweeping view of creation, and Genesis 2 zooms in, to more a more local, for, local focus on the forest and the garden, the wildlife and the humans. These accounts are distinct in their theological claims and in their environmental worldview. So if each story is part of a narrative revealing the nature of the creator to us, what might we learn here about God? What might we learn here about the natural world and ourselves? I think first we learn that God creates and recreates. Genesis 1 says that God created and called it good. And in Genesis 2, we see God acknowledging that it's not good at first for the human to be alone. God goes back to the clay and sculpts all kind of animals, gives them to the human to name but they're not found to be an equal partner. So God tries a new solution. In Genesis, we see God as involved and present, as caring and thoughtful, as attentive and nurturing. God's hands get dirty. And you fast forward to John 9 where Jesus is gathering up the dust and the spit and he forms it into a paste to put on the blind man's eyes in a story of healing. We see creator God in the person of Jesus forming and reforming creation. God is a farmer, a potter, a creative problem solver. A little all play for all of us. How does the idea of God changing God's mind feel to us? Or the idea that God might be surprised or try something new when the first thing doesn't work out? Does that idea feel comforting, or does it cause some friction in our theological framework? Sorry, what? Both. Both. (laughs) Both comforting and causing friction. Do you want to say more or just say both? Mm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Katie. <laughs> I think I see it less as God being surprised and more of the interaction of the relationship. Mm. Where we have a part in it and we get to say yes or no. Yeah. And God loves us and honors us and it has the capacity to make it all good. Yeah. So, vote Pepsi, we're fine with that. You, <laughs> you get to choose. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is that Steve's? Yeah. Um, Joan said, and I won't be able to capture all of this, which is why for our friends online, I apologize. You don't get like the full goodness of what everyone says in the room. You get whatever my perception is that filters out, like a fun game of telephone, I guess. But Joan said (laughs) that not so much surprise for her, but that kind of give and take in relationship, that there's some, there's the relational aspect of it and much more goodness. So if you're online, Find Joan and talk to her, because that was good. Okay, Bob, did you raise your hand? Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: Hmm, Bob, bringing in some spicy, hot theological takes there. I love it. Um, Bob was saying he echoes what Katie said in the both, the both of um, comforting and causing friction, the idea of God creating out of perfect love, but maybe within that even there's some imperfection in that. And what does that mean for our ability to, like, be humans and know we can't attain perfection, but we could attempt to live in perfection, Perfect love. I think, for me, the, yeah. the process of creating and recreating or the process of growing is a part of the goodness of God. Mm. Um, and so it reflects, like, something can be good and we can continue to work on it. Mm-hmm. Cassandra says that it gives her a sense, the creating and recreating of kind of that continuity, that that can happen again and again, and that connects her. Anyone else? Rebecca. I think it helps me, like, in my life today, think about how, you know, like, life isn't static. I don't just get all my things, my ducks in the row, and then everything freezes in the life stage that way. It's good. Life changes in the law, so I get new information, mm-hmm. and then I need to make different decisions. It's yeah. Mm. yeah yeah for Rebecca she said it feels like a good thing because it feels like she knows that that's true in her regular life and then and in a poetic way that she said (laughs) connected that to knowing that when that happens in creation that there's a connection connectedness to it that that feels real anybody else yeah Mm-hmm. And this just makes sense with that. How could we expect it to be so simple at one time when there's so many sides? Yeah. Yeah, Jane said we talk about God as being endlessly knowable, which then this makes sense. It makes sense that there would be so many facets to that gem of who God is and our relationship to that God. Anyone else before we... don't want to quiet anyone, but... Yeah, that's great. I love love the engagement here from all of you. Thank you. I believe in our text that Genesis reveals that God eases our loneliness within community. And I want to offer some gentleness here, because this creation account and the verses that follow it that we didn't read this morning have been used to harm many of us in Scripture over the the centuries because particular interpretations of ancient languages have been used to set up particular gender norms and advocate for subservience and the later verses have been used to marginalize those who are single or unmarried or queer as being less than or outside of God's plan but there are other ways to read these verses that I believe lead us more fully into a portrait that's consistent with God's expansive love. For example, the word companion here in Hebrew, which is azer, has often been translated as helper in the sense of assistant or less than or less, you know, less skilled or capable. But the azer that's used here for is also the same word that's used for God elsewhere in Scripture. And scholars have been led to see that that word usage is more about humanity reflecting parity and partnership, not as a hierarchical connection, but as one that is about community. We like to watch the History Channel show Alone at our house. It's this, any, any other Alone fans? Yeah, okay, yes, all right. It's this survival series, and... Um, Individuals are set in this harsh environment. They must see how long they're able to endure. Um, I like it because it doesn't, doesn't add like the gamesmanship of some other types of kind of reality games where it feels like, I don't know, unkind or maneuvering or whatever. It's about the person trying to just make it on their own in these climates. And what you notice time and time again is the contestants who tap out meaning they use their emergency radio to call to ask to be removed from their wild situation, they end up doing so because being that alone and that isolated becomes too taxing on their mental, emotional, and physical well-being. Whether they're returning to families or friends or co-workers, the alone contestants become desperate for that which we see in this creation text. Humanity flourishes within community, within connection to the others in humanity. And lastly, we find in this creation account that we all have a vocation in the world God created. Yes, we all have different jobs that pay us or don't pay us. We have different gifts, we have different functions. And yet the most fundamental portrait of, of the creator in this narrative is that God is a farmer and so are we. Safwat Marzouk beautifully writes, Caring for creation is a gracious way through which God involves humans in the divine creative activity. Humans who breathe the divine breath are called to sustain life in the natural world. I mean, what a moment of delight it must have been for the first human to see this array of animals, these new things that they had not seen before. The gift of naming invites Adam into defining and shaping the character and essence of those being named. The humans participate with God as co-creator, just as we are called by God to be co-creators of the world we live in now. I spent some time with Wendell Berry this week. At least his words as read to me by Nick Offerman, aka Ron Swanson on Audible. And let me just say that The voice of Wendell Berry should always be read by Nick Offerman. And it's free on Audible right now, so I'm just going to say, if you have a membership, yeah, get it. But Berry says when we sever all the ties to the earth that God has created, we miss a deep and essential part of what it means to be human and what it means to be a created being. Our very first primary vocation as humans is to care for, attend to, Notice and serve that which God has created. And if I'm honest, I'm going to say that that first primary vocation of humanity feels pretty daunting. Um, I've, you know, I've become increasingly unsettled about how we steward or not stewarding God's creation very well. And it feels so insurmountable when I think about it on a global scale. What it means for us to care well for the earth. It feels very difficult And what helps me is to personally zoom in. So Genesis one is the big zoomed out view, Genesis two is the zoomed in view, similarly here. When When I consider the square footage of the world that I inhabit regularly, I can consider the smallness of my task and it feels less daunting. When my family tends to our garden beds or the peach tree that we planted we experience God's divine love and provision. When we tend to the weeds, which we don't do enough, but when we tend to the weeds, when we water it when the rain doesn't come, and we experience delight at each season of new growth and seasonal dormancy, that vocation of the tending to the earth expands when we meet up with Dave Schlenk to pick grapes. And in doing so, make conversation and say hello to the neighbor's chickens and the dog. When we enjoy the coolness of the morning before the heat comes, and when we relish the fact that those grapes become juice, which then become part of our Eucharist celebration at this table, celebrating Christ's redeeming work for all of creation. Spending time with God in creation can humble us, I sat in the hammock this week. I noticed the very tall pine trees in my neighbor's yard and the overwhelming feeling I had was that you did not have to grow that tree. But the creator of the universe cares about all of us enough. The creator God cares about that tree and its growth and all of its intricacies Chief Seattle of the Duwamish, Suquamish people said, Humankind has not woven the web of life. We are but one thread in it. Whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. All things are bound together, all things connect. Friends, this is the gift and the task to notice a name, to receive and steward well to honor our creator by caring well for creation in whatever small and big ways that we endeavor to do so. So your invitation this week is to get out to the forest. Yes, you probably have a busy week ahead. And yes, I'm still inviting you to do this. So even in this urban environment, there are places with trees and bushes and vegetation. And if you need ideas, we have some Folks in our congregation who have lots of great places that they'll go when they need a bit of time in nature, and they might even tell you about it, and we'll just keep it a secret. I want you to immerse yourself in the mystery of creation. God's Spirit is that deep impulse that created diverse life forms in the beginning and continues to create and recreate today. Be still and hear the voice of God, the spiritual impulse behind all the sounds of life. And in that space, what do you notice? About your environment, about yourself, about Creator God. Spend time in the quiet, noticing your breath and allowing your mind and your spirit to relax because there is no agenda there. Simply for you to be present within the forest, imagining how God breathed life into all things, allowing yourself to picture God forming the heavens and the earth and a spring of water rising up. And so I'll leave you with these words from Wendell Berry from his poem entitled Sabbath from 1979. I go among the trees and sit still. All my stirring becomes quiet. Round me like circles on water. My tasks lie in their places where I left them, asleep like cattle. Then what is afraid of me comes and lives a while in my sight. What it fears in me leaves me, and the fear of me leaves it. It sings and I hear its song. Then what I am afraid of comes. I live for a while in its sight. What I fear leaves me, and the fear of it leaves me as well. It sings, and I hear its song. After days of labor mute in my consternations, I hear my song at last, and I sing it. As we sing, the day turns and the trees move. Sitting among those trees, friends, we can hear our song, God's song, at last, May you be caught up in the delight of creation this week, remembering that God creates and continues to create, that you were meant to flourish within community, and that your primary first human vocation is to steward well that which God has given you. Amen.
1: Thank you for listening to the Genesis Church Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion.
0: Creating opportunities for our community to respond from wherever they are in their faith formation. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary and a church calendar because they anchor us in something which can hold us no matter what life throws our way. Our goal is to become ordinary apprentices of Jesus who are learning to love God, ourselves, and others wholeheartedly.
1: If you have any questions or would like to connect with
0: us, please visit GenesisCov.org.
1: Thank mm-hmm. you.